Welcome to Surfing the Psychic Waves. I'm your host, Christy Welsh. I'm excited to say hello to the globe. In this show, we hope to bring you new ideas to your spiritual path by letting you hear how other folks have walked their path or how they awakened. The planet, the solar system, and every being in it is waking up in some way or ascending on their spiritual path. Things are changing from a third or fourth dimensional world to something different, and we're expanding our world from duality to a world where we are back to all one, and we're interested in new ways to create within ourselves, with others, and with our world. We've noticed that we can connect with spirit faster, move energy around quicker, and time is speeding up. And the way we use words is changing, carrying new vibrations, and the way we interpret events is expanding. We are letting go of old ways of thinking and beliefs that do not serve us anymore, and we're asking different questions of ourselves and our world. The way we define love is getting bigger, and there are always bigger, brighter waves to surf. So grab your boards. We'll be looking at ways we define magnetism, power, and peace. Today, my wave surfer is musical artist John Matarazzo of Logical Drift. He's grown up in the music industry, performing with Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Bob Dylan, Ike and Tina Turner, Sly and the Family Stone, and he's helped shape pioneering recordings of ambient and electronic music with various artists. He's traveled worldwide to places as far as Bali, Indonesia, Sumatra, Tibet, North Africa, Morocco, Mali, and we'll hear about more places he's visited in just in the last year. We're talking about his new album, The Americas, Book of Love, Volume 1, which you can pre-order now on Amazon and iTunes. And he has a new free app of music for meditation and yoga called Zenden for iTunes, and you can also listen to it on SoundCloud. And you can find out more at LogicalDrift.com. So let's jump into the surf. So welcome, John. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here, Surfing the Psychic Ways, and we get to talk about Logical Drift again and uh, what's going on. You have a new recording, I think. Yeah, we uh, we just released a new recording called um, The Americas, Volume 1, Book of Love. Uh, it's basically uh, reflections on my travel experiences in uh, South America, in uh, Venezuela, uh, Belize, Central America, and uh, Brazil. And I just decided to start putting it all, uh, you know, whenever I'm traveling, I kind of make musical notes about the places I am and, you know, the feelings I get when I'm there. And I just decided to start putting it out as an album. So I started collecting all these various notes that I've been compiling for, oh, for years, maybe 10 years or more, and uh, just started putting them all out as an album. So this is going to be volume one. Eventually, uh, we'll have probably three or four volumes in this series called The Americas. I just love it. I love the, the flutes and the instruments that they just really touch me. Um, my mom's from Ecuador, so I grew up with a lot of that flute, that pan flute. I'm just beautiful. And it really gives you that continental feeling. So where do where do your inspirations for like new albums come from? Are you waking up with this or you're you're making your notes and suddenly you realize that, oh, this is about South America or how does that happen for you? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. As I said, you know, when I'm you know, when I'm traveling, I'll just make musical notes about the places, you know, that I that I happen to be in. But, you know, on this album, I have to, to be honest with you, I it kind of just wrote itself. I, there's a lot of things that I'm listening to and I just say, well, where did that come from? I just, you know, like I, I, I inspiration, I guess, you know, because I'll put down a basic track. Like you know, like uh, we had a, a rhythm track for the for the track. I think the one you like called Mayan Ruins. Yeah. And um, we just said we just had a, a basic drum track, and a, fr- a friend of mine did it, Edgar Vaquez, and 
after that, we were just kind of, you know, listening to the track. I said, yeah, it's good, but it really doesn't say what, you know, the feeling I had when I was, you know, going to these ruins in uh, in Belize. So we went to, uh, tra I traveled down there to go to, uh, in, in western Belize, there are a lot of Mayan ruins. It's probably one of the earliest, if not the earliest, uh, uh, running uh civilized, you know, uh, occupied place in uh, Mesoamerica. Um, and they've got some amazing ruins there uh, in uh, Caracol and Cerros. Um, and I went there with a couple of friends. We, you know, we, we traveled through the ruins. We went down the Pan-American Highway to get there, uh, which kind of blew my mind because, I, you know, I, you, hear, you hear about this Pan-American Highway, but I, does it really exist? I don't know, because they say you can drive from Alaska all the way down to uh, Tierra del Fuego. And sure enough, it's real. It's there. We rode, we drove on and went to these ruins, and I got a, a lot of ideas, melodic ideas. And as I said, I brought, we had a, a rhythm track for this uh, song, for this piece. Uh, and uh, we needed some flute, and uh, Edgar, who was the percussionist, brought in a friend of his, uh, Jose Menos to play and played the flute on it, and it was just mind blowing. You know, I gave I gave him some ideas about what I thought I would like to hear melodically, and he just took it from there and just just made an amazing uh, uh, amazing recording. Yeah, it's the whole album is just so um, relaxing and it's expansive. Um, it just brings a lot of I think the human body back into the music piece, and yet. It's just, it's just beautiful to listen to. Well, I wanted to get this idea, you know, you use the word expansive. I wanted to get this idea of exactly that. This just, you know, the, the world just opening up, like the soul just opening up and just flying, just flying. And, you know, sometimes I'll listen to some of the tracks like, uh, uh, I guess, like Angel Falls or um, Song of the Tepuis, and I... I I have to be honest with you. Just say, gee, I don't remember writing that. How? Where did that come from? It kind of just, it kind of just wanted to write itself. It just kind of made itself happen. Ah, oh, that's great. So, what? What? I didn't ask you this last time um, when we uh, talked before, but what is your uh, spiritual practice? Are you doing yoga or meditation or? Yeah, I do yoga and meditation every day. I was raised as a Roman Catholic, and so I still, I'm still, I'm in that tradition. Uh, and I, but I also think yoga is very important, uh, both spiritually and physically. And meditation, I just couldn't do without it. It's like just uh, uh, part of my being. You know, I have, I, I, every day I have to meditate for at least 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the little Catholic piece in there that, you know, maybe just growing up doing the rosary every, all the time. Yeah, that's, uh, that's but there's some, too. <laughs> yeah, there's some comfort there in sort of the, not so much the repetition, but that you get a feeling of that space. Um, and then as you get older, uh, it's, it's a little bit easier to meditate. It's something to gravitate towards. I felt, I always... Uh, felt very sort of close to that and it wasn't a big deal and I I could my friends would be like oh I can't sit still I can't think I can't I can't stop thinking or 
and I just I just didn't have a problem with it. And maybe it's all those rosaries. I don't know. Well, but well, you know, India, the Indians, the Hindus call it mantras. We call it the rosary. It's you know, basically the same thing. Just a method to still your mind and get in touch with, you know, the, the greater power that we refer to as God. It's just a just a way to reach that level where you just calm your mind and your body down and open yeah. up. Yeah, and I think I love um, what you're doing now with, you have a free app on iTunes and even on SoundCloud called Zenden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Um, I was listening to that earlier uh, today, and that really sort of taps into that space, too. Just very easy, natural, you know, all of a sudden I find myself sort of sitting down. <laughs> And <laughs> winding down, it was really easy. Well, I've always been a big fan of Zen. You know, uh, I got into it by reading Thomas Merton, and from there I got into you know reading the Zen masters, and it's all, always been uh, you know something that inspires me. I, I I love Zen Zen meditation, if you want to call it that, and just the whole concept of Zen and looking at the world, you know, as not what you think it is, but what other things what other things that it could be that you're just not thinking about. Yeah. It's not just the surface. Right. Yeah. I love that. I like that. Yeah. But that's also in your music too, because it's very multidimensional. It's just not about the angel falls, you know, there's other stuff going on in there. Yeah. So Yeah. That's true. I mean, that's the name of the piece, but you, you can take, you know, uh, you know, take a lot more from it than, than just that. Yeah, many layers. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what do you think is happening with uh, ambient music? And I, I think you were one of the pioneers for using um, the sine wave technology. I'm not sure yeah, if you would um, call it technology. We, we started doing that stuff back, oh, back in the, in the 60s. Uh, uh, in the late 60s, we were experimenting with some of that. We were, you know, talking about guys like Edgar Varese and and just taking inspiration from these classical guys who were doing, uh, um, I guess at that time it was called experimental music. But the whole idea of taking, you know, things that wouldn't normally be considered musical and finding music in them and, you know, creating these uh, not so much set pieces but atmospheres. And uh, it kind of, you know, one thing led to another. I started working with Bill Laswell and uh, uh, some of the guys in the downtown music scene in, in New York. And we started combining some of the things that, you know, these classical guys were doing, even people like uh, Philip Glass, and put them together, you know, with uh, some, some newer kinds of instrumentation, electronic music, synthesizers, and kind of developing like soundscapes and uh, giving, uh, kind of creating more like atmospherics. Uh, we, yeah. as I said, we started working, uh, well, it goes back to the 60s when we started experimenting with this kind of idea, but it, the whole point was to create atmospherics, not really to uh, create set pieces, you know, like a middle, a beginning, an end, but really to create more of a space and a an atmosphere which, uh, you know, eventually evolved into soundscapes. We started using, um, adding more electronic instruments, some some natural sounds, sounds you find every day, like the sound a steam radiator, a radiator makes when steam is coming out of a radiator. 
uh, and putting that into a, a piece with uh, some some synthesizers or some you know, some electronics. And eventually, we created started creating atmospheres, and uh, one thing, you know, as I said, grew into another, and then eventually it evolved into kind of like went full circle. We eventually came back to doing things that had more of what you hear now on, uh, you know, on the Americas. Kind of, you know, we have some atmospherics, but we also have, you know, the uh, Berlin Philharmonic doing doing string parts. So. I guess, as I said, I kind of guess we just went full circle. Can you describe that space of um, working with the Berlin Philharmonic and getting them to see kind of what you're creating and, and how do you, that's always been sort of a mystery to me when I talk to musical artists is that how do you get everybody to sort of tap into what your creative idea is? And Well, a lot of it happened by email, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> uh, but I would send uh, I would send you know some snippets of things uh, you know over the internet you know some some clips some audio clips and some ideas that I have over you know to the guys at, at the Berlin Philharmonic they listen to them and uh, then they'd come back to me with well what do you think about this what if we do that and finally by the time we you know finish going back and forth uh, I came up with some scores that you know we we both felt you know were representative of what I was trying to get to and uh, once we got to that point uh, I basically just sent them the scores uh, and uh, waited for them to come back to me with uh, their input and from there we you know we uh, we did some of the tracks long distance uh, you know you can do recordings now in uh, many studios that have you know high-speed internet you can do recordings you know, uh, globally with people in different locales in the world. And that's pretty much how we did it. They uh, they were in Berlin, I was in New York, uh, and we, you know, ran the, started the recording process and they did uh, their parts in Berlin. So it was, it was kind of exciting. Uh, they, uh, it was a first for, for a lot of these guys. Now, I didn't use the whole orchestra. I used, a, you know, a small group, a small uh, string section, as you can hear, like, for example, on Song of the Tepuis or Angels of the Altiplano, and uh, had just had them do uh, their parts, as I said, over basically over the internet. Yeah, it's so amazing now. Yeah, uh, I mean, what, you know, what you can do, you can have guys in Los Angeles or San Francisco, and people in New York, and you can have people in uh, in Europe, all getting together and performing in real time. In in, uh, in different studios, and uh, you know, in the old days, we would have to get on a plane, go over there, bring a lot of bring equipment, or have equipment brought in, uh, you know, for locally. Now everybody can just sit. Eventually, I think it's just going to be everybody's just going to sit in their own studio and collaborate, like uh, you know, over uh, over the internet. Yeah. But uh, that's yeah. basically how we did those parts. Yeah, I mean, there is something about. Um, that connection that you're kind of getting in meditation that now I guess in the music scene you're able to kind of be in your own space wherever that is on the globe and then you're bringing that energy to that collaboration and it's just kind of it's almost overwhelming to think about that we can do this now and you know there's there seems to be as we've kind of gone through this electronic age that it's somehow um not natural 
but it kind of is. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it is. You know, Teilhard de Chardin, uh, the uh, you know uh, theologian and philosopher, used to talk about the new sphere, and basically it was, you know, I'm not I'm not a theologian or philosopher myself, but as I understand it, his idea was that the energy that's on the globe on the planet is all interconnected, and in this energy, and to my mind, the internet really makes a lot of that real, like makes that, a, a, you know, a reality. Yeah. This whole idea that, you know, people are just connected instantly. It doesn't matter where they are on the globe, you're connected with everybody else instantly. And that was really yeah. his thought. That's the one, that, that was his concept of the new sphere, N-O-O-S-P-H-E-R-E. And, he, you know, he felt that it's, he he believed that it existed even then when he was writing back in the 50s. He said this whole world is, has an energy that is all interconnected. And the Internet makes that real for me anyway. It makes me feel like, yeah, it is. <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah, because people have, I mean, there is that phenomenon of having the same idea in different parts of the world and sort of, a new technology is birthed or, or whatever, or are, suddenly everybody's doing something similar in art or in music and it's all over yeah. the globe. And so these ideas sort of spring up and they are happening, not just, you know, in New York, but all over the place. I love that. And I think um, we get a form to. It, it opens up a whole lot of new possibilities in collaborating and working with people, sharing ideas. Things just happen uh, like exponentially faster, just at the speed of light. Yeah. So um, folks can find uh, the tracks on iTunes and Amazon, and they can pre-order that album, I think. Yeah, Cause... physical album will be available September 15th. But is it, uh, the album is available now on, as you said, on iTunes and Amazon and a host of other uh, uh, Internet uh, sites where they can just uh, you know download tracks or even some places where you can get uh, some free tracks. I think Yogi Tunes uh, is offering... Yoga Tunes is offering... Uh, some free tracks. So, you know, uh, Google uh, Logical Drift, uh, the America's uh, Book of Love, I'm sure it'll come up. Okay. Yeah. On logicaldrift.com, you can get the link to Zenden. And, um, Forgot all about it, that. You're right. Yeah. And it um, links out to uh, SoundCloud. So yeah. lots of folks can just jump on there. And Logical Drift is on SoundCloud, too. So I would love to hear how you're kind of already working on volume two. Yeah, volume, well, you know, we I have probably about 40 tracks altogether going in, in the uh, the America's Book of Love. And uh, we did the first nine. And so now there's another like 30 odd that are uh, just, I'm slowly working on developing. And when I you know, when I start writing, I just will put out and put out an idea, record it, and then just kind of forget about it. Basically, I had like 40, 40 or so pieces that I was working on for this first album, and I was trying to work on them all at once. And I just said, "This is going to take forever." So why don't I just do a do volume one, volume two, volume three, and see how you know see how it goes? And I did that. And very often, what I'll do is. I'll write, I may write a piece or, you know, kind of like structure a piece and then just forget about it for 20, 30 years and then come back to it. 
uh, for example, the third track on uh, you know, the America's Book of Love, Volume 1, El Mar, I wrote back in the 80s. Uh, and just didn't think about it anymore. I was kind of just uh, had it on the shelf. And then it came back when I was working on this project. I said, you know, G.L. Meyer is a good track. Maybe uh, is a good composition. Maybe I should try doing something with that. And so I started, you know, working with that a little bit, trying to add some things and seeing, you know, what works, what doesn't work. And originally I wrote it as a guitar piece. And I started working, working with it on the piano and came up with a whole different approach on the piano and I said, gee, this could work. And boom, it was there, put it, you know, put it on the album and it worked out well. And, uh, so basically I've got another 30 pieces like this that I either wrote recently or wrote a long time ago and just kind of put aside. And so I'll go back and forth, come back to something, review it, come back, see if I have a feeling for it, if I don't have a feeling for it, if it's something that, uh, you know, I feel like I have an inspiration to develop and to kind of just fall, you know, fall into place. Either they fall into place or they don't and they just get put aside again and I may come back another 10 years and listen to it or work on it again. So all these things are just kind of, uh, as I said in the liner notes, kind of just kind of grow within me. I just kind of let them simmer, develop, ruminate and kind of just, kind of just try to, uh, I don't know, put them together in uh, in, a, in a space, you know, like in a time space that really isn't time. It's just, I don't know if I'm right. making myself clear, but I just kind of get it like into a timeless place where, okay, this works now. I understand it. It makes sense. We can do something with it. I can do something with it. Yeah, I like that. Creative types sometimes don't really think that uh, those old ideas are going to resurface again, but um, if you wait long enough, they do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and it's kind of, and I think you're right, it's that no time, no space idea that, you know, something that uh, you've created, it still is in existence and still vibrating somewhere out there in the universe, and so uh, you're kind of being able to circle back, pick that up, and incorporate it into something new you're creating, and and we're probably all doing that. I think it's just maybe the way we talk about kind of the creative process. Well, we just never get to that part. You're putting it much better than I do, Christy. I have to say that. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, I think you did. I think because I think creation and being creative and putting a voice behind the creation is is something that we try to dissect I'm kind of dissecting it now um, but it's a much richer experience when you're in it you know mm. and um, I just think that um, I think you're onto something there I loved Elmar I didn't feel like I was listening to something at any particular time it felt very timeless well thank you and uh, that's uh as I said, it, it kind of, I come back from South America, uh, I was in Venezuela, and I came back and I was just sitting in uh, in my living room strumming a uh, guitar that I brought back with me, and this kind of just came out, and I said, gee, that's kind of nice, but what am I going to do with it? <laughs> it's in Spanish, and at that time, uh, who was I working with? At that time, I was, I had just come off the road with Ike and Tina Turner, and this piece just like was, you know, Kind of like my reflection of you know where I where I had been in Venezuela, 
uh, and as as I said, it just didn't. I didn't have a place for it at that time in in my uh, musical composition career. So I just recorded it, which I did with many things, and just kind of put it aside. And lo and behold, you know, thirty, uh, forty years later, it's, it's on. I put it on an album because I found a place for it. I guess. Yeah. It's like it always had a home there. Yeah. <laughs> just waiting to find a home. Yeah, exactly. So um, in the future, who do you, like, who are your main inspirers right now? Oh, well, I listen to a lot of people. Like, you know, lately I've been listening to George Winston again. I used to listen to him a lot, you know, back in the day when he first came out with his, a lot of his recordings on uh, Narada. Uh, yeah. And uh, Steve Halpern and I talk from time to time. I always, I love his stuff. He's he's just amazing. We've been going back and forth about doing a collaboration, uh, and uh, that may happen one of these days. Uh, apart from that, Patrick O'Hearn. You know, a lot. I know a lot of guys from back in the day when I or earlier in the music business when I had uh, I was part of a distribution company and. We were working with the people from Private Music. It was uh, Patrick O'Hearn uh, and uh, the guys from a Tangerine Dream. Uh, and so I always go back and listen to their things. I like always, you know, get inspired by that by that early New Age stuff. Uh, uh, Deep Breakfast, of course, is one of my all-time favorites. I don't know. Yeah. Of going back too far, and <laughs> it's like. Well, yeah, but I, but I guess it's back to that timeless thing. Yeah, I you know, and those are the, those are the people I listen to. Some of the uh, uh, some of the newer new age. You know, I don't know. It's, I guess it's called new age. Uh, I listen to uh, Nitin Sawhenny, uh, Ludovico Enaudi. I like a lot. In fact, he was kind of my inspiration for some of this stuff because I lo- I loved what he did with does with strings. And I just kind of got into well, him and oh, Nitin Sohani also. I, I like uh, I like his approach to doing strings. He's kind of like kind of like chill out a little more than uh, than New Agey, I guess. But uh, you know, I, these are the kind of things that I listen to and just I get turned on by. You know, apart from that, you know, as I said, I was talking to Steve uh, Halpern about doing a project together. He's like uh, the granddaddy of uh, New Age, so I always I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah, I mean, I think there are some folks out there that just sort of capture kind of the societal or the cultural ideas that are floating around, and somehow Stephen Halpern can do that. Yeah. Um, but then I think a little bit differently, it's like you're bringing in the earth to to your music, which, you know, I've heard on other albums, too, where it's kind of like this giant symphony happening of the planets and the earth and the sun and the moon, it, Etc. So, yeah. yeah, it's a much bigger. I, I'm not sure why that is. I guess that's maybe where your symphony is. I guess. You know, you, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've never really thought about it that way, but you know, you you make a good point. But I think um, what's interesting is that you've had such a you've had such a big career with so many different artists that you know all of those pieces come together. Yeah, it's it's. I, I have to admit, it's been quite varied. It's, uh, I haven't been like in just doing one kind of thing, but you know, it's that's just I guess kind of my nature. I'm always 
inquisitive, always like to explore, and I always, you know, have an ear open for something, for everything, for anything new, different, or for, just, I never like just put myself in a box and say, okay, this is what I do, and that's all I do, and I'm not ever going to do anything else. I'm just, I just can't do that. Yeah. I hear, you know, I just hear things. I hear like, uh, I don't know, I, I may have told you last time, I just hear like sometimes, I'll be walking down the street in Manhattan, you know, there's a lot of construction going on, you're a construction crane making a screeching sound, and to me it sounds musical, only just, you know, what context to put it in. Now, other people are walking down the street saying, oh, what is that awful sound? And for me, it's like, that 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 sound has some music to it, just what context to put it in. And yeah. So I do that, you know, like, as I said, so I never really get boxed into, you know, what's music, what's not music. For me, it's all music. I love that. So for other folks out there that are just kind of starting out, um, maybe a little bit scared of taking their musical career further, what would you say to them? You know, I love music. I can't, I, you know, I, whether I make money with it, whether I can, you know, be successful at it in, you know, commercial terms, has never really been important to me. I just, that's what I do. Um, but, you know, as far as like, you know, if people are, I guess that's really the bottom line. Either you do it because you love it or don't do it. You know, if you're going to do it simply because you want to be economically success, successful, uh, you may wind up doing things that you don't like doing, even in music. So my advice to anyone is always if you, music is really what you want to do, um, do it no matter what. Don't be deterred. Don't be discouraged. If music is what you believe in, then just keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah, because all those tracks you're going to use someday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> someday you may use those tracks. You never know. Yeah. So I just thank you so much for talking to us today. And, John, uh, folks can find you at LogicalDrift.com and Zenden on SoundCloud, um, also under Logical Drift. And I think that album comes out in September. That's correct. But it's, a, right. it's, it's available now as a download on iTunes and Amazon and a host of other uh, retailers. All right. The Americas Book of Love, Volume 1. All right. So thank you so much for surfing the psychic waves with us today. Um, we've had a great time. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Christine. Thank you.